0: Good morning yep um so our reading this morning uh it's two readings so uh, first one will be 1 peter 2 9 to 10 and then we'll move on to acts 2 42 247 um, and just this week i was reminded of this saying that even though our hearts and heads are like sieves as long as we have clean water running through it um, and and I think the saying there's sort of the clean water is God's word and um, it's the idea that we hear God's word but we forget it or it's lost through us but we need it afresh. Um, so this morning we'll just come and we believe that the Bible is God's word for us today, his gift to the church. So if you don't have a Bible um, there's a lot of Bibles at the back. You can help yourself. Uh, feel free to take one home if you'd like. Um, so now let's hear the Lord speak to us from 1 Peter. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies Of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are his God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Then moving on to Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were together, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to
1: So like I mentioned earlier, uh, we've been the last couple of weeks uh, in this series on our family traits, uh, so if you're visiting with us, it's a wee bit like listening on our family conversation, because these things we're talking about, about are really the pillars of our church and what, uh, what identifies us as, as our church. And so we began looking at our vision statement, which is on the screen, um, which is this, that Village Church Belfast desires to be a gospel-shaped community of people who love Jesus each other and our city of Belfast as we join God in the renewal of all things. So this vision has, has, has centered around or based upon three pillars, the gospel, community and mission. Um, we've looked at each, each one of these uh, kind of in turn. Uh, love in Jesus is the gospel, Uh, loving each other as community and loving our city as mission. And if we put these all together, we can kind of visualize it like this. We can visualize it that we have the gospel as our foundation and and community and mission gathered around and based on that, what God is doing in the world. God is already at work in the world. This is what he's doing. This is his mission. And we join God in that. So whenever we uh, collect food for the food bank, We're joining what God is doing in the world because His vision for the world, and what we know from Revelation, is that, that we will live in a world where nobody goes hungry, where everybody has that we saw lived out in Acts chapter two that Duncan read for us. And so last week we looked at our first week. We looked at the gospel, the good news that Jesus lived, died, lived, died, rose again, and ascended to heaven. And why this is foundational for everything we do because we wouldn't even be here without that. We're all based upon. We're all people based on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, right? And then last week, we took our first look at mission and community. And we're doing mission and community together because you can't separate the two, because we are a missional community like we've already seen. So if you are a Christian, then you're part of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is on mission. And we saw that all, all Christians are missionaries. That's shocking, for some of that shocking statement, that if you're a, a Christian, you're a missionary, that you have a job to do. Um, we are uh, called by Jesus, brought into this thing called the church, to be on mission together. And we're going to look at more of that today. Uh, but before we get into this, let me just pray and ask for God's help, um, and then we'll see what we're talking about. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, Lord, would you speak to us through this passage this morning? Would you speak to us and give us a vision of yourself that is irresistible and and a vision of who we are to be as your church? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So this week, um, you've probably seen, if you haven't, don't know where you've been, if you've seen the coverage of the Queen's Body, lying in State in Westminster... Um, you can't miss it because as my mom said, it's on every channel. For her, I was on the phone with my mom and she said, it's on, Andrew, it's on every channel. It's on one and three, like all the channels, one and three. Um, that's, according to her, that's, there's, that's all the channels. Um, but the massive queues, right? The people going to Buckingham Palace, the people, even in, there's even people gathering in town centers and city centers, laying flowers and all this kind of stuff. But what, as I've watched some of this um, something has struck me. I've heard a few, more than a few people talking about the sense of community around this, right? the sense of coming together, one common purpose. We're all gathering together because of this one lady or this one institution. And the funny thing for me is that no matter how individualistic our world becomes, because we we, we're, we're moving more in that we're just individuals doing our own thing, being our own thing, deciding who we are, no matter how individualistic our world becomes, we can't get away from the fact that we all crave belonging. We all crave community, don't we? Think of how much of our lives is lived online. So much, everything we do is lived online. How many hours a week, if you get a wee screen report on your phone, how many hours have you spent on your phone that week? Probably a lot. But if you look closely in that, probably for most of us, most of that time on our phones is on social media. Social media, even when we go online to escape and be behind our screens, we go on social media. Everybody longs for connection. Now, I, I don't know what you n- naturally think of when you think of community. Um, maybe it's where you live. Maybe it's the, the, the street that you live on or the, sc- the school that you went to, or it could be anything. People create community around all kinds of things, don't they? Uh, football team that you support, um, neighborhoods. Uh, there's even communities based around what particular disease you're suffering from, right? But no matter what your idea of community is, there is no community like the Christian community, no community like the the Jesus community. And the reason that the Jesus community is different is because we are members, not of the church, but of one another. This is what God tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 5. He says, so we, though many, right, there's lots of us, we are one body in Christ, and individually members of it of one another, we belong to one another in a way that is deeper than than any kind of society or club or or whatever it might be. We are individually united with Christ, and because we're united with Christ, what that means is that we are united with one another and and, and we need to remember and we could Look, I have to admit, like I deleted half my sermon because it would have been an hour and a half long because if we go through the whole Bible, you see this is what God has always been doing from the beginning of history. He has always been working in the world to create a people for himself, right? But what I want to do is like fast forward to the end and I think I may have shared this verse last week, I can't remember, but if we look at Revelation 21, we get a glimpse, we get a glimpse of the final result of God's work in the world. And this is what it says, Revelation 21.3. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. That's humankind, not just men, humankind. And he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. So the final result of God God's work in the world is a community of people living in complete fellowship and union with each other and with him. So what this means is that, that we don't become a Christian, right? You don't get saved and then individually just decide to join the church, okay? It's not like joining a club, okay? Like you don't just decide to join the, you know, the following Jesus support club, <laughs> which by the way is what I need, the following Jesus support club. But it's more than that. The, the, the church, the community of Jesus is, is the eternal purpose of God in the world. It's what he's always been doing, and so if you are a Christian, being part of the church is not something you can opt out of, right? We belong to God and to our brothers and sisters. And this is why one of our core values here is church's family. And just like your biological family, you can't just decide not to be part of it anymore. Yes, of course, you, you can move out of your house. You can disown your parents. You can say, I don't want anything to do with you. But your blood tells you that you're still connected to them. No matter how good or bad they are, you are bi- biologically part of that family. And so it is with the church. See, when you're in Jesus, you're in the family. This is our identity now. And identity is a funny one, isn't it? Because so much of what the world teaches us about identity is individual, and it's something we construct for ourselves, right? It's something we make up for ourselves. Um, like our job or who our friends are or or what kind of things we're into. These are our identities, right? So uh, yeah, I was watching um, Pointless on TV the other day and on Pointless, when they introduced them, they're like, this is my name, uh, this is where I come from and this is what I do for a living. That's your identity. Or, uh, and I'm not gonna make, well, maybe I'm gonna make fun, social media bios. Like you make up for yourself, ah, Jesus lover, coffee lover, cat lover or something right you you make these things up that are all stupid and pointless they're not pointless whatever but we make our own identity but far more lasting than any identity that we make for ourselves is the eternal identity that we have received through the grace of God because if you're in Jesus your identity is not where you live it's not what your job is it's not who your friends are it's not your relationship status Because ultimately all those things will one day come to an end. In the passage that Duncan read for us from 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter shows us this new identity, right? He tells us who we are, right? And it's a communal identity. That means it's not individualistic anymore. It's not just something we get as individuals. Our identity in Christ has everything to do with the body of Jesus, the church. And from this passage, I want us to see three things this morning. Three things that that, that we want to cast as a vision for our church and and where we're going this year and and for the years to come. We're going to see who we are, what our purpose is, and then how we go about that. So look at this first one, who we are. Um, Look at verse 9 with me again. I I don't know if I have it on the screen, do I? Yes, I do. Ah, That was good. Um, This is what Peter says. But you, that's a plural you. How do I know it's plural? Because listen to what he says next. You're a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So you see how none of these things are individual? Like, you can't be an individual race. That would be weird. You can't be an individual priesthood. That's a lot of people. You can't be an individual nation. You can't be an individual people. These are all plural terms. And they all mean that we belong to something bigger than ourselves. If you're a Christian, then you belong to the body of Christ, which started when he rose from the dead and will continue forever. And you see, what Peter is doing here, because Peter is writing to uh, Jewish Christians, uh, Jewish men and women that used to live in Jerusalem and now scattered across all of the world. And this is what he says to them, he, he refers back to the most important event in history um, in the history of the nation of Israel, right? This is when they're gathered at Mount Sinai and, and, and uh, God here at this mountain makes his covenant with them. And this is what he says. He says in Exodus 19, verses five to six, he says, now therefore, this is what God has said to his people. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. See how this is the same as the language that Peter uses? Peter is just uh, taking what God has said about Israel and now applies it to the church. You see, with Israel, God wanted to create a community of people who who believe in him, who would be unique among all the nations, and would be able to minister God's grace and truth to them. Doesn't that sound like the church? (laughs) That's exactly the same. This is what God has always been doing. What God was doing through Israel, he is now doing through the community of believers in Jesus. So you see how community and mission can't be separated. It's always been God's intention that his people would be a community of people who believe in him, who who are unique compared to the people around them and, and people who would minister grace and truth to the people around them. Community and mission go hand in hand. But let's break this down a bit more because Peter uh, includes some uh, some details here. He uses four terms to describe God's people, right? And the first thing he says, he says we are a chosen race, okay? Now for all of the conversation uh, rightly around race at the minute, uh, we want to clarify what he means here. You see, just... Like the nation of Israel was chosen by God to show the world what God is like, so Peter is saying that we as Christians are, are people chosen by God to represent God here on earth. So so when you become a Christian and you, you come into the body of Christ, that's what happens. You're adopted into God's family, right? When that happens, the bond that we now share with one another is not one of the same skin color, not one of the same biological descent, but it's the bond of being adopted into God's family. Our race is no longer white Irish or white British or or Hispanic or, you know, black African or whatever it may be. Our race is now that we are God's people. When we trust in Jesus, all those boundaries disappear. Because we are all of the race of God. In fact, this is why we see in Revelation 19 that God's people will be from every language, every tribe, and every nation. Because together, we are all God's chosen race. So that's the first one. Secondly, we're a royal priesthood, Peter says, right? So the priests in the Old Testament times, they had the job of being the mediators between God and the people, okay? So, so they would be the people who prayed for the people. They would lead them spiritually. They would teach them all the laws. They would, would teach them how to follow God. Priests, if we sum it up this way, priests spend time with the Lord and then go out from His presence changed so that they can take God's blessing to the people. That's what priests do. And Peter says, we are priests, that we spend time with the Lord And we go out from his presence having been changed to take God's blessing to the people outside of God's presence. And when Peter says that we are a royal priesthood, he's saying that every Christian belongs to the king of kings, right? We are all part of heaven's royal family, me and you. If we're Christians, that's what we are. So we are a kingdom of priests given the task of taking God to the people. Thirdly, Peter says we are a holy nation. Now, the holy here means separate, set apart, called out from. So in other words, we are to be um, uh, one people, okay, uh, with a likeness to the Lord because we're different to the world, okay? We, we aren't really meant to fit in. So if you've ever had a feeling that your, your, um, your beliefs Your faith makes you weird. This is why. Because it's meant to. We are meant to be different from the world. We're meant to stand out. We're going to be at odds. There's going to be conflict between what we believe about certain things and what the world believes. Because we're no longer primarily citizens of whatever country we hold a passport to. Whatever your passport says, you're primarily a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. That's who you are. And this is why as Christians, we don't get bogged down too much in, in our national identity. We don't we, Being people of the orange or the green is far less important to us than, than being people of the cross, right? We are God's people, a holy nation set apart for him. Fourthly, he says, we are his own possession. Now, this is my favorite one. I love that he includes this one. Just like God said, God said it in Exodus and Peter's just repeating it here. He says, "We are His own possession." Now, the word here in the original language uh, for His own possession literally means peculiar. It, it's something. Uh, it's something that is uh, that is. Above and beyond, right? So in a Roman society, this word would be used to describe the money that um, that a servant could make if he did extra shifts, extra hours. And it would be like if you wanted to save up to buy new bike wheels or something, right? That you could, you know, put that away and and nobody could get to it. It was your tries, your treasured possession, your prized possession, something out of the ordinary, right? So there's a lot of bikes about my house, but but This treasured possession is not like my two kids' bikes that are out in the rain and lying in the yard. This is like my good bike that stays in the shed. It's always clean. It's always washed. The the chain's always oiled. Like, everything's pristine. It's a treasured possession. A peculiar possession is something that you treasure and value above everything else. Now, listen to this for a second. If you're a Christian, you're God's treasured possession. Possession. Think about that for a second. I don't think about this a lot, but you matter to God above and beyond everything else. Isn't that incredible? Like he treasures you. And sometimes we forget this. We forget that we belong to God. And it's not, it's not like belonging to God like some old toy that, that we don't use anymore and it's in a box in the garage. No, we, we, we are treasured. We're loved. We're looked after. He puts us above everything else. You are the object of God's love. Think about that for a second. Like think about how you became part of God's people. Christ paid for us at the cost of his own blood when he died on the cross. That's how much he treasures you. Maybe if we focused on that, sometimes we wouldn't have weeks that I just have with my faith through the floor. And sometimes we fall into the trap I think, of trying to build a lovely Christian church, but forget to include Christ. (laughs) We're not a community for community's sake. We're a community because we're brought together as God's treasured possession. We belong to him. The only reason we have this community, with all its faults and all its failings, the only reason we have this community is because we belong to God and because he treasures us above all else. His treasured possession. And it's not just an, it's not just an individual identity. It's a communal event identity. It's something we all share. We have this all together. It's who we are. A chosen race. Chosen by God. A royal priesthood. That kingdom of priests to spend time with God. To take God to the people. A holy nation set apart in his own treasured possession. So when we think about our church and we think about this new term that's starting up and all that kind of stuff, we need to, to remember that we are not just part of the same club. If you wanna be part of a club, go be part of a club, but that's not what the church is. We are bound together by eternal bonds. We're all the same family, chosen by God, His treasured bless, his treasured possession. And this is why we do missional community. It's why we love each other well. It's why we lean into community. It's why we uh, have missional communities that celebrate together, that mourn together. One of, one of, when one of us is hurt and we all hurt. It's why when somebody has a baby, we make them dinners for two weeks and buy them tons of nappies. It's why when somebody hurts us, that we forgive them without even having to ask for forgiveness. It's why we seek the best in each other because guess what? The Holy Spirit has bound us together. He binds us together as one and we are God's people and he treasures us. But not only that, we have a purpose. And this is our second point, what their purpose is. So I suppose if the main question or the main conversation around the world today is about identity, who am I deciding who I am? Who do I want to be? And maybe the second biggest question is about purpose. What am I here for? What's it all about? What's the, what's the meaning of my life? But as for us, as members of each other and part of the community of Jesus, our purpose is really clear. Look at verse nine again. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see what Peter is saying here? He's saying that we are God's people so that we will proclaim the excellencies of God. In other words, we're saved so that we will tell other people about the one that saved us. That's our purpose. The command from Jesus himself that we saw last week, the Great Commission, go into the world, make disciples teaching them to obey is one that leads us to a missional life, an outward-focused life. We don't just uh, share the gospel because we have received the gospel. We share the gospel because it's it's formational to who we are. It's part of who God is. We are a new creation in Christ. We've been made new. We're being made into the likeness of Jesus, and that means that we'll be like him in every way, taking on everything about him, including his mission to bring others out of darkness into light. So our church will be outwardly focused because God is outwardly focused. God didn't stay in heaven. He didn't, he didn't just stay in heaven and, and forget about everything. No. First of all, he created the world. Then when we messed up, he sent himself his son. He was outwardly focused. Our church can't just be all about us. It has to be about the people around us. There's people around here who who need Jesus and we're the ones that God has put here to tell them. This is why we're gonna be serving the community, caring for our neighbors, feeding the poor and sharing the good news because this is who we're created to be. This is how we want our church to be because we believe it's how God has created us to be. The apostle Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. Okay, so God did it. Who, through Christ, so the work of Jesus, reconciled us to himself. So he's brought us to God. And then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So we've been brought to God. Reconcile with God. But on top of that, we now have this ministry of reconciliation too. What has been done for us, we extend to others. Verse 19, he says, That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, that means forgiving their sin, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. You know what an ambassador does? You know how many ambassadors are going to be in London tomorrow for the queen's funeral? I almost said the queen's birthday. That's a bit disrespectful. Um, Ambassadors go on behalf of the king. Ambassadors go on behalf of of the kingdom they're from and represent that kingdom. That's what has been given to us. Paul is saying here to this church in Corinth, he's saying that, that we have been made new in Christ. And because of that, we've inherited the work that Christ is doing in the world. You see how this works? If you believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, then you're a part of the church, and the church has a job to do. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. God's church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has the church. We are part of what God is doing in the world. And, and I think that sometimes we get it wrong or we get it the wrong way around. And, and even in village where this is part of who we are and how, how we formed our church, we get it wrong. Because what we tend to do is we, we, we form, form our we groups and we form our churches, we make missional communities and then we try to figure out what our mission is. <laughs> or, or maybe we run courses and we run outreach schemes and missions on the hope that somehow we'll be able to check the box that we did some missional thing, Right? But I don't think that represents what the Bible teaches. I don't think this is what we saw when Duncan read the end of Acts chapter 2. You see, the early church that we looked at there, they, 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 they knew they were on mission. They knew that their job was to represent God by the way they life, and this formed the basis of their community. So they didn't wait until they were ready. They, they didn't stop and think, oh, who am I, I going to reach here, what group am I supposed to go to? They just loved Jesus and listened to his teaching and then gave to the poor. It was that simple. And through that, God used that and loads of people came to know Jesus and they were added to their number. In the same way, we see in Luke chapter 10 that Jesus himself, before he's even gone to the cross, he sends out his disciples to spread the gospel, right? Now, he didn't wait until they were ready until they reached a certain level of maturity, he sent them out. And he knew that this would ultimately teach them more about what God is doing in the world and and, and who he is. Mission was part of their discipleship. I suppose that's what we could say, right? We're all scared. I don't want to share the gospel. I don't want to, it's hard work and I'm nervous or, or even, um, you, you know, actually doing something for the poor or the needy or whatever it might be. Those are hard things. I'll wait until I'm more mature. No, that's not what God says. God says you're going to become mature through doing these things. The fact that we serve a missional God should form the basis of how we do life together. See, see, being missional, being outward focused, not thinking about what's in this room, not th- what's thinking about in our homes as we meet in our missional communities, but actually thinking about what's going on in our streets. what Where are the needs? This is what should form, how our communities work. So think of it this way. You think about how a ship is designed and built. Everything about the way a ship is designed is to do with its function. Everything to do with a ship being designed is to do with it crossing the sea. So the the way it's designed is so it'll stay afloat, so it'll cut through the water, so it'll have a rudder that'll turn in the water. You don't build a ship by giving it wheels. That's not a very good ship. All of what a ship is designed, all of how a ship is designed is to do with what it has to do. In the same way, our desire to share the gospel and reach the lost should form what we have to do, reach our communities. Everything, everything, that, everything about how we set up and function should be designed around what our purpose is. So we seek Jesus together? Yeah. Which leads us to want to share him? Yes. And then we do that together. And in the process, we grow closer to the heart of God and learn to be more like him. I am convinced that if we want to find God, we need to go to the dark places of the world. Because that's where God's already at work, right? Where are the hungry people? Where are the criminals? Where, where are the people who are lonely? Where the people in our offices are, who are so misguided and confused. Those are, those, this is where God is at work. And as we go to those, those places with the light of Christ, that's where we're going to find God. So we don't make the church. The church is purely God's invention. But the way that we set up the church and function as the church should be based on that mission. Being missional is part of our discipleship. And so, our, our, our smaller local groups are called missional communities, not by accident, but because that's exactly what we want them to be communities of people who love Jesus on mission, outward focused together. And so, as our ter- new term gets underway, we need to think about how we shape them, don't we? We need to think about what are the rhythms of our communities that, that allow us to, to show people the love of Christ. Are we praying? for our lost friends and loved ones? Are we showing Christ through our lifestyle and our hobbies and our passions and our work? Because it's so easy, even with the best intention in the world, to be a, become a community for community's sake. Listen, I don't want our church to ever just be uh, the, the how to follow Jesus support group. If that's all it is, then, then I, I, I don't want to be part of it anymore. I believe that God has called us to this place in this time to call other people to himself. This is why our missional communities are not just a Bible study. Of course, studying the Bible is really important and and we do that as often as we meet together. And and, and we need to do that more. But if studying the Bible is the end goal in itself, then what's the point? Just like the community in Acts chapter two, we gather together and dedicate our lives to Christ teaching, being people of prayer, Sharing means in serving one another, but our purpose is that that would spill over, spill out, so that God would add people to our number. We who were once not a people have been made a people so that we can proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's who we are, and that's what our purpose is. And I want to finish by just looking maybe a bit more practically, how, how do we do this? What does that look like for us? Because I know that for a lot of us, that's where we go to. This is great, but, but what do I have to do now? <laughs> and I think from, from what we looked at over this week and last week, it shows us clearly, and I'll say it again, that being missional is not just what we do. It's who we are, okay? It's part of our nature in Jesus. And we want the church to grow because people are being raised from death to life in Jesus right? We're not really that interested in other Christians coming from other churches. Of course, we'll be welcoming, and that's great, but we want people to know Jesus. I'm sure as I say this, you all have people in your life that you think, I'd love them to know Jesus. And that requires us to be outward focused, to be missional. And so, of course, we're going to keep doing st- stuff like the food bank and, and maybe even other Hope Explored course. We'll do these things But our missional communities will be the primary kind of vehicle for for our mission. And there are two parts to this. Firstly, two parts to missional living. Firstly, we have to speak it, okay? Romans 10 verse 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing. This means that the gospel is a message that has to be spoken. Because a message isn't a message unless it's both given and received. Or you could maybe give a message and it's not received and it's still a message. But if I decide to to write a card to Josh here and I never give it to him, then that's not really a message. It's just something I've got for myself. It only becomes a message when I give him the card. The gospel is a message that has to be spoken. The only reason that any of us are Christians are because somebody at some point in our lives, whether it was our parents or a Sunday school teacher or a friend or whatever it may be, told you the gospel. This is what we've already seen in in verse 9 of 1 Peter 2. Who we are in Jesus is is so that we may proclaim. That you may proclaim, he says. We who were once not a people have been made God's people that we would proclaim. This is our purpose. The gospel has to be spoken and declared and proclaimed. And and throughout the year, we're going to be helping our church by providing training and evangelism and how, how do you just simply share the gospel with your friends? Um, and that's part of why we're bringing Lauren on staff is to, to help her train our church to, how to speak these things and do it confidently. And that's the speaking. The second thing is um, gaining an audience. So if we are to speak the gospel, who are we going to share it with? It's okay to say that we need to speak the gospel, but, but who are we going to speak it to? And I think that this is where our missional community comes into it for two reasons. Firstly, the community of Jesus shows the love of Jesus, right? John 13, 35, Jesus says, The world will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. There is no greater example of the gospel of Jesus than the community of Jesus. You see, when people see and experience the love of of Christians have for one another, truly, then they're actually experiencing the love of Christ. And by the way, this is a a side point, but it's so much easier to share the gospel with the support of your your, your brothers and sisters rather than just trying to be one man planting the flag out in your own somewhere. People see what we have in Jesus. When people see the joy that we share, the love that we have for each other, the deep commitment, all of those things. They actually see a little bit of the gospel. And so we need to find ways to bring people into our community so they can see and experience the love of Jesus. Our missional community should be the front door to our church. We're long past the days when people will come into a church on a Sunday morning off the street. That just doesn't happen much anymore. But what, people, what are people searching for? They're searching for community and connection and they're searching for purpose. We have both, Right? Let's find ways to invite people into our communities. So the sec- and second reason missional community is key is because hospitality is key. Um, there's three statements in Luke's gospel that begin with the son of man came. The first one, uh, or not the first one, one of them is uh, in Luke 19, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. The second one is that uh, in Luke 22, the, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. Now those are both statements of intent. He came to do this. But the third one is a statement of method. How did he do this? Luke chapter 7, 34. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. Jesus was accused of being a glutton and being a drunk. Why? Because he ate a lot and drank a lot. He, the, 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 um, so, someone said one, I can't remember who it was, one commentator says about Luke or Jesus, he says in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal or coming from a meal. Most of Jesus' evangelism is done around the table. And there are so many reasons for doing this, and I don't have time to go into it this morning, but let me put it just sum it up like this. At the main table, enemies become friends. That's why Jesus did this. The enemies of God became the friends of God around the table. This is why God gave us this table, because it represents that. Jesus was known as the friend of sinners. Not the preacher to sinners, not the evangelist of sinners, but the friend of sinners. And that's the culture that we want to create as we step out in mission in this new year. We want to create a culture of friends of sinners. A culture of mission 11, a culture of of hospitality, of inviting people in. Going to sit at people's tables and break bread with them and, and share this good news that we have. This is what we want our church to look like because this is what the church was created to look like. And I just want to finish with this thought um, because we haven't really spent too much time looking at verse 10 in 1 Peter 2. But I'll put it up on the screen here, please, Ethan. This is what it says It says, Once, you are people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So I know that I've covered a lot this morning, and I know that we've covered a lot in the past two, three weeks. Um, and I realise that if you're part of our church, that and and you're like, "Oh my goodness, is this where we're going this year?" That can be a bit overwhelming, right? But I don't think that this is what God intends. In fact, we know from Jesus' mouth himself that His heart is one of compassion for His people. He says, "Come to Me, and I will give you rest." He says, "My yoke is easy, and My burden is light." And see, this vision of mission and community, we're not taking on something that we are not. We're not trying to create something in ourselves. What we're actually doing is just living in the reality of who God has made us to be. It's who we are, guys. And the alternative to this, the alternative to not living in this way is the, the opposite of this. It's not being God's people. It's not receiving God's mercy. But in Jesus in the first place and if God called him called us to himself in mercy how much more is he going to keep going with us in mercy his life is a one of mercy the one who called us by his mercy will remain with us in his mercy and to walk in this way of community and mission that, that we're outlining here following Jesus into what he is doing in the world is not work it's just part of who we are. And when we fully embrace it, when we give ourselves over to it, we'll find that this is actually the way to life in all its fullness, right? That, that, that's no way to live. That's not what God intends for us. So listen, and I am done because my time's up. But, but if, you, it, um, if you're weak, if you're feeling weak this morning, if you're feeling that your faith like me, is small, if you're crippled by anxiety, if you're lying awake at night worrying about the future, this and that, how's that going to work out? If you're racked with guilt over the things you've done in your past, if you can't seem to find any satisfaction anywhere, Jesus. Embrace Christ, because in him, what do we find? We find mercy In Him we find mercy and we find community. In Him we find identity and we find purpose. Remember what I said, I don't know if you, I keep saying, remember what I said a few weeks ago, no one remembers what I said a few weeks ago, I'll say it again, there is more mercy in Jesus than there is sin in us. Isn't that amazing? And this is all, uh, and, and sometimes me and Tim will be at the pub and we'll talk about this. This is, this is all any of us have in our church. All of us are just relying on the mercy of Jesus. That's it. We're all exactly the same. And so my invitation again is let's embrace Christ. And when we embrace Christ, we're embracing his mercy. We're embracing his gentle heart towards us. And what that leads to is a life Serving other people, being outwardly focused, it's a fulfilling life. It's a life of part of a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You become God's treasured possession. So let's embrace this way of life. Let's let's receive all that that God has for us in Jesus. He's given us so much in Jesus and he continues to give us so much in Jesus through his Holy Spirit. So let's embrace him and let's do it together for the glory of Jesus. Amen? Let me pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for your word. Um, Thank you for giving it to us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would, in our minds and in our hearts, Uh, we pray that you would change us more into your likeness. Father, um, I pray for our church. I pray that we would realize that we are bound together by these eternal bonds, that we have this common purpose Thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us wandering in the world, that you give us an identity, that you give us a purpose. Father, I pray that you help us to, to, to go and seek the people in need in our community, the people in, in physical need and financial need, but the people in need of you as well. Help us be outward our church. Lord, would, would, would our missional communities be, be front doors into your kingdom because we invite sinners to come and eat at our tables? Father, I pray for anybody that is, maybe it's all of us, anybody that's feeling the weakness this morning, feeling the lack of faith, feeling the the lack of joy, the dissatisfaction, the anxiety, all these things that the devil throws into our lives. Lord, I just pray that we would turn to you again and find your mercy. the, the, The purpose, and the community that you have died to give for us. And as we come to your table now, Father, I pray that you would meet with us again and that we would go out of here full of joy, not full of anxiety, full of faith, not full of fear, full of dedication to serve you by by sharing your glorious truth with other people because we know and we've experienced what you've done in our lives. Holy Spirit, make this real in our hearts. Make it real in our lives. Lead us and empower us For the glory of Jesus we pray, amen.